Welcome to the Ditch the Suits podcast, where we get real about the stuff no one in the financial world wants you to know about. Learn how you can better manage your family's wealth while protecting it from financial exploitation and so-called financial advisors. Here's to your financial awakening. Welcome your hosts, Steve Campbell and Travis Moss. Well, welcome to another edition of Ditch the Suits podcast. Steve Campbell here. Today, we are going to be kicking off a new mini series talking around this idea of retirement readiness. You know, you might be listening to this podcast because you're here to get some great financial planning resources or some ideas that can help you in your retirement planning journey. We also want to acknowledge that there's a lot of fear around planning for your retirement. There's a lot of factors and considerations that you need to be thinking about. But the fear is also rooted in what if I just do it wrong or I make a bad decision? What if I claim Social Security at the wrong time or I take the wrong pension uh, election? What about healthcare costs and how can that affect my longevity? What if the stock market can crash? These are all real fears, but today we want to add context as to how can financial planning help you mitigate some of these fears with good planning and have a much deeper conversation around where these fears come from, what they're rooted in, and what we really need to think about in terms of retirement readiness and preparing for financial freedom. As always, if you're new to this podcast, please subscribe, leave a comment, because you never know how your review could inspire somebody else to become a believer and follower. We hope you enjoy part one of this little mini-series in retirement readiness, and thanks for stopping by. So welcome back to Ditch the Suits. Maybe you're here because you are looking for some financial resources that can help you on your journey heading towards financial freedom. Um, In this episode, we really want to focus on this idea of retirement readiness. And are you really ready to retire and the facets that go into it? Um, you know, a lot of people will want to know if they're on track to retire. If you go and you look on, you know, any search engine result, you can see the top questions or things that people ask that really are rooted maybe in some of the fears that they have. And so, Travis, I know you work with clients. You've had people that have come into work with you over all these years. You know, what would you say are some of the biggest questions slash concerns that people have as they're trying to plan for their retirement? Well, when people go online and they Google, you know, retirement planning or I'm going to retire tomorrow. What do I do? You have all these things that come up, like the top five things or top 10 things you need to be thinking about or why now is different. And it almost all is tied to things that essentially the financial industry does for you. You can hire them to give you a solution. So they're, the the things that we're focusing on most of the time are out of the box kind of things that can be fixed. So if I'm worried about longevity, well, we can talk about solutions to longevity. If I'm worried about volatility in the market, we could talk about limiting volatility, inflation, social security, healthcare, elder care. All those are things that the financial industry wants to sell you a solution to through some kind of product. Some kind of thing is going to solve all your problems. Yep. My experience though is those aren't your real problems. Those are things that, yes, we need to plan for, right? But without putting those into context as far as how those exist in, in your life from a, um, a lot of people when they retire, they, they pick up these inherent fears and guilts that come with retirement. So we're using the word retirement as this idea, it's the end of work. Mm-hmm. So the end of work really means you're financially free. You've, you've achieved the goal of becoming financially independent from your day job. So you're financially free. Yep. And there's a lot of feelings that people are going to deal with that cannot be planned away or product away. I can't, there's nothing somebody can sell you 
yep. to make you not feel guilty because you don't go to work anymore or to make you not have the fear of running out of money. There's some, there's some things there that are always going to be built in that our biggest challenges with our clients are working around those type of challenges, because those are where, when you think about where happiness comes from, your discussion with your spouse, your communication, your, I want to retire so that we can travel. Okay. But if we travel, are we going to end up being broke and going to have to go back to work when I'm 80 type of thing? Those are, it's the fear and the guilt feelings in the back of our minds that we've got to get our arms around. Otherwise I've done projections for people before and we've shown them you know, there is no way they're going to run out of money. They don't spend any money. Their investments are accumulating extremely quick. Their biggest problem is going to be taxes and gifting. And they're still concerned they don't have enough money for retirement because somewhere along the way, somebody had an influence over them and they have a scarcity mindset. Yeah. So there's there's nothing that I can do about investment volatility or anything like that to, to convince them. It's really about perspective and helping them see, you know, what's behind the uh, these inherent issues that they're having that's going on kind of deep inside that is maybe sabotaging their happiness or their willingness to take a chance at retirement. Would you say that most people are even aware, um, if you would call these blind spots, that they have these inherent blind spots to the way they think? Are most people aware of it, do you think? I don't think so. I think what happens is um, we can, it's very easy to make excuses. And I don't mean excuses in a bad way. I just mean excuses as in a procrastination way. So it's really right. easy to be if, if, and not everybody has these. I, I, I would say that, you know, 30% of the people, I'm just making that number up, but it just feels like 30% of the people I work with, they slide right into retirement. They're ready to go. There's no, there's no feelings of concern, worry, guilt. Like I don't have any problem. But then there's a, a a large chunk of people that are either have some concerns or once they get into retirement, they kind of have this you know crisis where they're like, oh my goodness, you know, like the the vacation phase is over. Yep. Um, maybe there's some other issues. We can we can hide things. For instance, maybe you know somebody or two or three people from work that had retired and passed away pretty much as soon as they retired. And yeah. so the culture within your, your workplace environment is you don't want to retire because when you retire, you die. And so we can procrastinate in retirement because we're creating a connotation of death with retirement, yeah. which is one of the reasons why I say we really shouldn't be even using the word retirement anymore. Uh, when we're using the word retirement, we're really talking about the end. And retirement is really about a beginning. It's about, I am now financially free enough to go do what I, whatever I want to do, which maybe up to this point in my life, I've never been able to say that or do that. Yep. That's really what it should be. It should be a gateway. So this, this fear can allow us to procrastinate. So I got to wait a couple more years without really looking into what's, what drew, you know, drove that, um, issue in the first place, that, that fear itself. Well, and I've noticed in a lot of conversations that we've had with new people that have called in people that have been referred that I don't know, you know, since 2020 and all that happened with COVID uh, quarantining, maybe, maybe offices changed through that policies were put in place where 
Um, I've heard from a lot of people that have worked for companies for 10, 15, 20, 25 plus years that it's just different now. I think there's a lot of people maybe thinking about retirement now more so than ever because culture's changed. You know, maybe their friends that had the ability to retire said, I've had enough and now it's time to go. And I've I've had people that when they've come in and we said, if if you could retire today, would you? And people are like, oh yeah, you know, I'm ready to go. And so I don't know if it's just that people are both thinking about more about retirement, but also truthfully, just their own humanity. You spend so much of your life working that you see kind of everything happening around the world. Obviously there's fear around retirement, but there's also just fear about just your own life, your own safety, your own health. And people are saying, what is all this stuff for? You know, what am I really working towards? I want to be able to enjoy my family. I want to be able to take trips, but then there's still, there's still this difference between you've worked all your life. Most of your identity is wrapped up in what you do. And now there's going to come this time, this season of life where you're not punching a time card and showing up at the place that, you know, whether it's been a place of misery or not, at least you know what to expect. And now you go, you know, from working to, to not really doing much of anything. And I don't know that a lot of people have really thought about then what are you going to do in retirement? Yeah. Obviously you want to take a trip, but you can't take a 365 day vacation. You're going to take, you know, a week, a two week, a month, but then what are you going to do with all your other time? So, you know, as you've been working with people in the conversations, you know, what is, what is driving or what are people looking for? I think at this point, when they're talking to somebody like yourself or a professional. Well, one of the things that you were talking about was this idea of things have changed and more people are looking to retire right now. And and that's true because we've lost a sense of community in a lot of workspaces. So that gets to workplace culture. And I think that's been a morphing thing over the years with, you know, the lower employer employee loyalty where people are changing jobs more often and things like that. Well, they come out with COVID and, you know, everybody's working from home. Yep. So if you, if the part about work that you enjoyed at this point in your career is going to work and seeing people mm-hmm. and seeing your coworkers and, and achieving things with your coworkers, and that's been removed and your company that never was virtual before now is hundred percent virtual. They probably don't have the pieces in place to create a virtual community. Right. So you can have virtual meetings, and but a virtual community is different when you can actually, you, you connect with people virtually, even outside of a pre-scheduled meeting or something. So they don't have that tool set. And then they actually went 360 and now they're saying, now you have to come back into the office, right? Yeah. And then you have these spike ups of COVID. And so it's, 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 a, it's a very dynamic and stressful environment that has been created. And some of the things that people, you know, in, in the later years of their career are are figuring out is I don't want to deal with that anymore. Right. Number one, but you know whether you're, if you're a a, a a successful person, if if you've had career success, uh, if you're you've had business success, maybe you had a, a business or something that you're selling, it is really hard to go from sixty miles an hour to zero miles an hour, mm-hmm. and that is the biggest challenge. I have a couple of clients where I always laugh with them. I tell them that they're my biggest, uh, my biggest failures. They've completely failed at retiring. They can't bring themselves to not be working. They, they, they'll retire and they'll find a job. And they're making as much, if not more money than they've ever made. And so uh, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about experiences maybe they're missing out on. And, and they'll talk about the stress of that. And they'll talk, we'll talk about, you know, okay, well, we've accumulated way more money than we thought we would and way more than we need. And we'll talk about more advanced gifting for the kids and stuff. 
But the whole issue of, but when do I stop working is really a function of what do you do next? Right. What's that next? What is, is the next chapter? Yes, it's a blank chapter, but there still needs to be a title on it. Yep. <laughs> you, you can't, it's really hard if you're successful to walk out the cl- door, slam the door behind you, and then just look outside at the wide open and figure out which way you want to go next. Yeah. Um, because chances are, if you think about this, so many people are so committed to their job and their family. So what did you do over the last 35 years? You probably raised a family, did everything you could for your kids and your spouse, hopefully. And you've, when you're not doing that, you're trying to advance your career, right? Yep. You're trying to climb that corporate ladder or what have you, or you're just working really hard. Even if you didn't climb the corporate ladder, maybe you just worked really hard. And so much of, of our identities is raising the kids and then the work. And when you're, you and I were talking about this the other day, all of a sudden you wake up and you're 55 or 60 years old and you think about, well, what are my hobbies? What are the things I do? Well, I go to work and I do stuff with the kids when they're around. Yep. Okay. But what else do you do? Well, I go to work and I do stuff with the kids when they're around, right? There's, there's nothing else there. And I think it's because as adults, we're so conditioned to do adult things. We can't play. There's no games anymore. Right. Right. You're supposed to be mature and, and go, you know, work and raise kids basically. And so you get to this point in life where you have to reconnect with the play side, because that's what financial freedom's about. It's about, you get to, now you get to play and do whatever it is that you want to do. Well, you got to figure out what you want to do. And so you're, you know, in the back of your mind is this fear of, I don't know what I'm going to do. And Sometimes it's, I don't even know who I'm going to be. I'm a big deal when I go into work. Everybody knows me. Everybody brings me coffee. Everybody says hello to me. If I call somebody, they drop everything to talk to me. I walk out the door. Somebody else gets that seat. I am not that person anymore. Yep. Nobody's going to call me and say, hey, you didn't come in the office today. Are you feeling okay? It stops there. And so for some people, if they don't, if they don't have something to go to. Yep. They can't leave where they're at. It would actually be unhealthy. Mm -hmm. You know, that person really isn't ready to retire. It would be a bad, it could be in a lot of ways, a bad decision to retire until they at least have a title of that next chapter. The title might be, you know, hiking the Adirondacks or something like that. Right. But there has to be something that you're running to just not running from. You don't just run away from work. So that I think is where the fear comes from is who am I going to be? when I'm not who I am right now and who I am right now revolves around work. Well, I don't know that many financial advisors really have that type of conversation with people, right? It's either have enough money or you don't, but who are you going to be? And, you know, I'm thinking about when you break this down into to real life, um, if you're a parent and you're raising young kids, you can sometimes have this thought in the back of your head of, man, I can't wait till my kids get a little bit older and they're less relying on me and we can have some more me time. And then you enter the next season of life. And I know there's a lot of people right now, based on this time of year, that are bringing their kids maybe for the first time to college. Uh, these kids have been in their house their entire life and now they're dropping them off at school. And to any parent that's dropping their kids off for freshman year of college, and you call them the day after, they were a mess because it's a shift. It's a change in life. You've spent your entire 
you know, most of your adult life and marriage, raising these kids that have been in your home and now you're bringing them to school or they've left the home and you're an empty nester. And maybe the thing that brought you and your spouse together was talking about your kids. And now your kids aren't around every day. And it's like, what do you want to talk about? Right. You kind of lose that art of discovery. And I think it's the same thing, you know, with retirement. And the reason I brought up a spouse too, as well, is it's very rare, unless maybe you have a stay-at-home spouse and one is working, that when that person retires, both of you are going to have the same amount of time to do things together. Um, many times people have an age difference between them and their spouse. If you're both working, one might be able to retire a little bit sooner than the other spouse. And then the question is, well, what are you going to do? You know, What are you going to do while your spouse is still at work and still in that grind and still having those conversations and you're just at the house every day? right? You're just going to be kind of waiting till they get home to talk to them and be like, what'd you do today? And there's a difference between, you know, we've done a lot of um, retirement plan uh, events at uh, places of employers, you know, where we've seen people walking around the building together in groups of two, three, and four. People sometimes walk during the day with their coworkers. You have these inside conversations. Uh, As much as work can be difficult sometimes and it's frustrating, it's still the people you work with and those special memories, whether you work in a doctor's office, whether you're an engineer, whether you're an architect, whether you're in sales, whatever it may be, it's those relationships that you make along your working years that I think you know, we can sometimes take for granted because when you no longer have a place to show up either because of retirement or as you said, because of the world we live in, in a COVID world where people are behind a screen doing a Zoom call or a Teams call or a WebEx meeting, you know, an inside joke can only go so far when you're typing it versus kind of saying it to somebody. And you have these special moments while you're working. And now thinking about retirement, you know, you have you have two people that, you know, sometimes if, if you're married and you have a significant other that we've talked about savers and spenders, uh, in this idea of how do we spend money, there's security in knowing that there's a paycheck that's coming once a month, bi-weekly, it hits your bank account, you know you see it. And now all of a sudden you're talking about going to a practice where really the tools that you have, maybe if you're blessed enough to have a pension, social security, maybe you need to draw money from your investments. It's still quote unquote a paycheck. It's just not the formal paycheck that you had from your employer. There is almost security, I think, for a lot of people in knowing that that paycheck is going to hit their account. So now you're talking about a shift into retirement. Do you think that that's something that people have a tough time navigating is that the source of income may not be from a traditional paycheck, but it's going to come from another place? And I guess making sure they do it right. Yeah. How do, how, how do you get money out of a retirement account is one of the top questions that we mm-hmm. get people are good at putting money in because the employer does it for them. They just say, take out this percentage and the employer puts it where it's supposed to go. And for a lot of people, that's been their primary interaction with their investing. Mm-hmm. And so now you get to retirement and you have to figure out how to reverse that. Only difference is, is it's up to you. It's no longer up to the employer. And clients all the time are concerned about that change from saver, which is what they were, and they were very proud of being a saver to being a spender and actually having to spend money out of their accounts. That is a huge shift in mentality, yep. especially if you happen to retire around a market um, correction or a market crash, the amount of anxiety and stress. And if you really don't understand portfolio composition, sequence of return distribution management, that kind of stuff, that can be very, very stressful. And the answer to it is not go out and buy a bunch of annuities and stuff like that. The answer is understand the relationship between money and your financial goals, yep. first and foremost, and 
you know, how to engineer better financial outcomes based on what you can control. But um, not to get into that, but a lot of clients will be afraid of not having enough money simply because they don't know, you know, when you, when you're sitting there watching your investment accounts because of the rule 72 and how investments double. So as an easy example, if you're making 9% a year, you divide 72 by nine and that's how, how often your money doubles. So it's that last doubling period where you go from having a million dollars to $2 million. Right. You're not used to having $2 million though. So you, you know, in your mind, you're still thinking like you only got a million. Well, when you got a million, you take out 5%, that's 50,000. When you got 2 million, that's a hundred thousand. Right. You know, when you got a million and it goes down 10%, that's a hundred grand. Well, when you got a 2 million, it's 200 grand. Same percentage, huge difference in the number, major psychological issue, especially for people who are on the saver mentality of their accounts. And, and so normally a lot of the people who will struggle with these types of fears are going to be saver oriented. They're, they're the more conservative kind of steady as you go, don't rock the ship. You know, the spenders are just kind of like, yeah, I'm done. I can access my money. Let's go normally. Yep. So it's, that person in the relationship, if it's not both of them, but normally there's one in a relationship that is more of a saver orienter that's maybe feeling these feelings and they don't actually have to be rational. I mean, you could, like I said earlier, you can have way more money than you need, still fear, have the fear of running out of money simply because, you know, you've just been told that you have to save all your life. <laughs> right. Well, and you and I, you know, you kind of mentioned at the beginning of um, this kind of conversation the big questions that people Google are things that you can plan for, right? If your question is, when should I take my social security? You can build out a financial projection and plan and help somebody understand when the best time for them to take it would be. Um, how to take my pension option, understanding them, their spouse, what kind of income sources they have. Does their spouse have a pension? You know, We've talked about in previous episodes, the value of a pension um, and what that can be. You know, what if you have a market decline? You can look at Monte Carlo simulations and help somebody understand what if you did have a market decline a couple of weeks before you went to retire? Does that postpone your? Do you need to put things on hold? There are certain things that a good planner can help you understand that are the big questions. But I think so much of what our industry has done is created a fear that then creates an opportunity to maybe sell a product or create a transaction. But that really still isn't planning because some of the things that you are talking about is kind of the values and the attitudes behind mm-hmm. how we make decisions and what we do. Because you can show somebody the simulation that shows they're never going to run out of money, but still making decisions is really difficult for them to do because they're afraid of something that they don't even know is really out there or not. So kind of having somebody as an advocate to talk about what do you want to do when you retire? What does life look like? You know, we have a planner in our team who says, you know, it's so funny. They feel like a counselor many times in these meetings because yes, somebody's hiring us to be a planner, but there's a lot of life and human emotion involved in how you spend money. And if you came from different upbringings and different family structures where maybe your family was more open with money, but somebody wasn't, you're really convulging all of that together into what should be some great years of your life to have the freedom to go do the things you want to do. So I think a big thing is just trying to, to remove fear. And, you know, is there anything that you have seen um, in all these years that is maybe some of the best ways to go about doing that? Yeah, I think you have to break it apart. Mm-hmm. So there's the financial, the true financial part of it, which yep. is 
looking at your scenario and figuring out where are you at risk? Like, do you have a risk running out of money? You know, aside from things that you can't control. I mean, there are things just natural disasters and stuff you can't control, but if based on the things that you can't control, do you have longevity risk? Do you have the risk of running out of money? And how should we plan around that? That's black and white, non-emotional. Either we have that risk or we don't. Either we plan for it or we don't. Right. But that gives you headspace to then deal with the other issues, which is what's keeping you from doing the things that you want to be doing in life. I really want to go on my dream vacation to Europe, but I really don't want to spend $20,000 because I'm afraid that that's you know, outside of my budget, I'd be spending 4.7% of my assets and I want to stay under four and a half. Okay, well, why don't we look at that and see what the ramifications of your portfolio are? Maybe it's a good year or something. But more importantly, what does achieving that dream vacation do for you? So it's a lot of these fears, a lot of these things, again, we're using them as procrastination tools to tell ourselves that we can't do something else. I can't be financially free. I can't walk away from my job because I'm afraid I won't have enough money. Well, how much money do you need? I don't know. We'll find out how much money you need that and then compare the two things. Right. Right. But when you say, I'm afraid I don't have enough money and you start Googling around and you find so-called financial advisors, what are they going to do? Well, why don't we sell you an annuity so you don't run out of money? (laughs) Well, you just inebriated the top side of the market out of my portfolio. So I probably have created a higher likelihood that you'll run out of money than I have not, (laughs) you know? So before we go out and buy stuff, before we go out and hire people to sell us stuff, before we, you know, engage in solutions, we ought to just be asking the questions. You, You start with the questions. I'm afraid I have nothing to do. Okay, well, let's work on building a personal plan. After we build your personal plan, let's work on your financial plan. Why do we build the personal plan first? Because if your personal plan is going to require X amount of expense, don't you think that your financial plan should be built to try to get you there? Right. If I just build a financial plan, then by the way, you come in and say, but yeah, I'm going to change my life completely when I'm retired and this is going to change, that's going to change, and this is going to change, I'm going to change states. You do all that work for nothing. There's no, your personal plan is as much important, if not more important than your financial plan. Because if you don't have a personal plan, how the heck does a financial plan know where to go? Mm -hmm. Right? Because the financial plan is the connection, the conduit between your your personal plan and your investment plan. Right. It it tells your money what your money has to do to keep you happy. And it tells you, you don't got enough money to keep yourself happy. Right? If that's the case. But it's, it's it's the middleman. It's the counselor, if you will, that, that, that financial, that's what the financial plan is between your personal plan and really, you know, your, your financial wherewithal. Yep. Well, you have to, so you have to spend as much, if not more time talking about that as you're talking about your investments and how your investments are doing. So many people think retirement plan is just about, do I have enough money? Do I have enough money for what? I've had people retire and then all of a sudden they start doing all this stuff. And we're like, wait a second, you told us the budget was X. And they're like, yeah, but I really like doing Y. Okay, well, we better start incorporating that into your plan. And we better, you know, we've learned through trial and error. You start putting that in there at the very beginning. You know, what are you going to do? People always look at it. They kind of look at it silly. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Am I going to relocate? Well, a lot of people relocate or downsize or upsize in retirement because they can. They're not, they're not tied to their job location now. Oh, I never thought about that. 
Well, somebody should be having that discussion with you. Yep. Because what if you decide you want to do that? How does it work? Right. Maybe you should be spending your assets differently. Right. Right. Maybe there's different things that you would be doing along the way. But that's, I think that, you know, you can overcome fear by having better conversations about what you just want to achieve in life and then letting that dictator trickle into your financial plan and then let that financial plan dictate your investment plan. We seem to be skipping a couple of steps most of the time. We're going online and all the solutions to the longevity, volatility, the inflation, social security, healthcare, all those are, you know, somebody's selling a product, right? Almost in, in every single scenario there, somebody's selling a product or they're using the concern to sell a product. Yep. Whether you need it or not. I've seen people who buy long-term care insurance that have more means than they possibly need. And they will never get the benefit out of the policy because they could have just self-insured. They were investors. They could just put the premiums in an investment account and let it sit there and have, I call it an old age piggy bank. When they're 80 years old, have access to a huge pile of money that could pay for their elder care costs. But, you know, they Googled and they, oh, I got to buy the elder care policy. They do the long-term care insurance. You know, so it's like they, we start with the products. We start collecting that. And they those products won't fix your fear. Well, if, or if, if they do, know- it'll, be, it'll be superficial. Well, if you notice, if you Google certain things, what if I need long-term care and Google says advertisement by long-term care insurance, that means that somebody is targeting you based on the kind of questions that you ask with some kind of financial solution. But I think as I'm even listening to you, you know, before you even go meet with a financial planner, think about why you would want to meet with a financial planner and have, have a plan, talk together as if you're married or if you're an individual what type of questions or concerns are you wanting somebody to answer for you and basically interview them and figure out how they're going to help you do these things. If you don't know why you're going to meet with a financial planner and you're just coming in and saying, here's what I have, what do I do? Then they can basically show you anything through fancy charts, pie graphs, colors, and say, here's exactly what you need to do. And if you don't have enough awareness to say, well, how do you get paid? How do you get compensated? Is this really the best thing for me? Then you might walk away and have all these bags of things and not really know how any of them work. And you're still not addressing the big questions that you've been alluding to, which is what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? Who are you going to do it with? There's a lot of people that do to just maybe lack of financial literacy, have bought financial products that aren't necessarily the best thing for them. And what they really need is to build, I love the way you said it, you know, building out that personal plan, which helps dictate the financial plan. And then lastly is the investment plan. If you are going to meet with a financial advisor, planner, financial, whatever their title is, and the thing they're leading off with is investments or some kind of products, please get up out of the chair and maybe run for the hills because they've skipped a process. So I love the concept of having, you know, personal conversations, building that personal life plan, and then looking at how the financials can help address it. Because you need to have digestible conversations. This can't all be one big meeting. So I think this is really helpful for kind of laying the groundwork for There's so much more that gets baked into why are people so afraid of retirement and the fear that goes into it. And I know we have a couple of more conversations around this idea of retirement readiness. The next one we want to look at is maybe some guilt associated with retirement and can you retire? So stay tuned for our next conversation. Thanks for listening. Ready to ditch the suits? Remember, it's your money and your life. For more information, visit seedpg.com. That's seedpg.com. If this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. And be sure to share with a friend.